0: Have you ever started something that you didn't finish? Like maybe a diet, or a project, or a job, or something like that in your life that you got a great start, you were so excited about jumping into it, but before long the excitement wore off and you just didn't stick with it very long? You know, obviously some people are worse at that than others, but all of us can probably acknowledge that there have been things in our life that we began, but we didn't continue in. Well, we've been in this series for a couple of weeks now called Re, and that really is what it's been all about. Re means do it over again, repeat. We talked about a lot of rewords the first week, but I've got another re-word for you today. This is one of the last ones I'm going to share with you, but this is the one I really like. This is a word reset. Reset, I was thinking about that word especially in the context of what we all deal with every day on computers or technology. My computer got to where it wouldn't load the internet or my mail slowed down, and so I had to reset it. I had to shut it down and restart it. You know, we reboot, reboot our computers. We restart our, our phones. You know, our phones have an ability there or a button, if you get deep into it, that you actually can erase everything and get it back to its original setting. You can start all over again. You can clear out your history, your past. Don't clear out too much, though. You will be in trouble. But, but isn't it kind of neat that there's a way to start over and reset some things in our life? You know, a reset kind of restores you to your original state where you began. And that's a pretty cool way to think about starting over in a lot of areas of our life. I bet there are some relationships somewhere that have kind of got messed up and you would love to just reset, go back and unsay some things or undo some things and have them restored back to the original state just to start over. Or maybe it is in your spiritual walk with the Lord. In fact, maybe you're at a place in your life where you say, you know, I I've started and stopped and started and stopped so many times, and I don't even know where to pick up now. I don't even know where to start, because it really is going to be a restart in your life. Well, hopefully this time that we've spent together for the last few weeks, and if you haven't been with us, you can go back and catch us on uh, our website, or probably on Facebook Live, still has some on there as well. But we've been talking about revival in our lives and talking about renewing ourselves for those of us who've been walking with Jesus, who maybe realize that we're not where we ought to be and where we'd like to be with Him. The first week we talked about remember. If we remember where we were, the second week was repent when we remember, we oftentimes have things to repent of, right? So, we repent. The third week, last week, was about renew, renew our commitment to Him. And today is the last day in the series. It's called, well, the new word for us today is remain, Amen. remain in Christ. And that's a pretty important word when you think about it uh, in the in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. We'll see several cases here in a few moments. But But the word remain is a big important fact because whenever we give our life to Christ, we all have every intention of living that way the rest of our life. We intend to remain close to the Lord all the time. We never intend to stray, but then life gets in the way. And then we start neglecting some of the things that help us remain close to Him. And soon we're doing all the things that we don't want to do, the things maybe that we used to do, or maybe some even some bad, new bad habits, and We're neglecting the things that we know we ought to do, the things that keep us close to Him. And so I'm going to challenge you today as we think about giving your life, your spiritual life, a reset as we wrap up this series. Now, maybe what you need is a self-assessment to determine if you need it or not. Most of us know we do, but let's just assess ourselves anyway. And let me ask you a series of questions that hopefully will help you assess where you are. First of all, are you sometimes unloving? Are you unloving to be? Do you oftentimes lose your temper? Are you inconsiderate or judgmental of people? Are you sometimes depressed? Do you often lack joy? Are you susceptible to the ups and downs of life, maybe more so than other people? Are you often or sometimes worried? Do you experience anxiety or a lack of peace in your life? Are you oftentimes impatient with people? Are you always in a hurry? Are, are you always rushing? Are you intolerant of people who do not seem to be as big in a hurry as you are? Are you oftentimes rude to people? You say what you think. You just blurt it out, regardless, regardless of what it, the effect it might have on them. You can maybe even in their eyes be a jerk. Do you oftentimes sin? Do you do things you know you shouldn't do? Are you often harsh with people? Do you say things a little too strongly, you don't care how it affects them or offends them? You're unkind, you're critical sometimes, you're sharp with people. Are you oftentimes unfaithful? Unfaithful to God, maybe unfaithful to your spouse or to a friend, maybe you gossip about your friend or you're unfaithful in your thought life, your actions or your words. Are you oftentimes self-indulgent? And that is, you know what you shouldn't do, but you do it anyway. You lack self-control. You can't say no. Now, I'm hoping that I didn't just describe your Facebook profile, you know. Some of you are going, well, it sounds a little bit like me, you know. But for most of us, you know, that kind of assessment can be kind of sobering because we all struggle with these things. But honestly, how did you do on that little quiz? Now, if you said none of these, then I have one more question for you. Do you oftentimes lie? Because... (laughs) I don't know. Those, those questions were kind of convicting for me, to be honest with you. Because seriously, those nine questions are a list of the opposite of what the Bible calls the fruits of the Spirit. They obviously describe us at our worst when the Bible says, no, that's not what God wants you to be. He has something so much better for your life. And it's interesting that the Bible calls these the fruits of the Spirit. And they're called fruit because they are what the Holy Spirit produces in us. They are the fruit of our life. Let me remind you of where they are and what they are in Galatians chapter 5. Paul says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, we call it patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, these are all traits that all of us would like to have. Nobody's going to condemn these and go, "I I don't want to be loving. I don't want to be kind. You know, most of us genuinely want to be like that, but they're not natural fruits of our life. We may have some of those, but in quality and quantity, we're not all producing those things in our natural state. In fact, the only way to have them is to be in Christ and to remain in Christ. Now, that brings us to another passage where the Bible talks about fruit, and that's in John chapter 15. So, if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to have it on the screen, but this is where Jesus uses this amazing analogy about the grapevine. Now, I don't know a lot about grapevines, and I've never really raised grapes, but I I have studied this quite a bit, and I see the grapevines growing around us a lot. I've been to a couple of vineyards here, but it's kind of interesting, the analogy that Jesus uses. He said, "'I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful.'" You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, did you get the key word? Obviously, in the scripture, it was the word remain remain. And he uses that in context with a, with a grapevine. You know, the major theme in John's book is love. The gospel of John is love. And we get that primarily from John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him might not perish but have everlasting life. That's a lot of love, right? But the secondary theme in his, in his gospel is the word remain. In fact, you maybe haven't noticed it, but he used that word 43 times. In his gospel, 43 times he talks about remaining. And the word remain basically means to abide, to stay, to wait, or to continue. Remain in something, remain in him. And so he's saying here that if you stay in Christ, he will stay in you. If you make your life in him, he will make his life in you. If you remain in Christ, he will remain inside of you. And whenever we remain or we abide, in other words, that's used in this, this context, he makes us a couple of incredible promises. What does he say will happen if we remain in Christ? First of all, he says that we're going to produce spiritual fruit. We're going to produce spiritual fruit. Now, now, what is fruit, right? The fruit we just mentioned a moment ago, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That's the fruit of our life. You know, we, I love fruit. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm a banana guy, I I love a banana, the riper, the better. I know you guys want to eat them green and crunchy. That's ridiculous, you know? A banana needs to be soft and sweet when you eat it, all right? But I love fruit. I love apples, grapes, man. Snack on some cold grapes in the evening. They're awesome. Uh, oranges, man, it's great, you know? But this is better fruit. Think of the best banana, apple, orange, whatever you like that you've ever had. This is so much better because this fruit is a fruit that God produces in us. It's an awesome fruit. It comes from our lives as the Holy Spirit moves and works in us. Amen. And I want you to think about this fruit. And I want you to think about the whole idea of producing that and how it would impact our lives, impact the practical aspects of our life. I want you to think about some of this fruit in, in the form of marriage. In our marriage, if we allowed God to work in, in th- through His Spirit in us, think about how this would enhance our marriage if we were more loving, if we were kinder. And if we were gentler, just those three fruits, how that would impact your marriage. I want you to think about your parenting, how in your parenting life, how it would impact your, your parenting if you were more patient, if you were gooder. Is that a word? Goodness, all right? If you were just better and good in that way. And what about self-control? Do you see the practical aspect of the fruit of the Spirit in your parent, in your parenting? What about in your workplace? What if you went in and you were an island of peace in a sea of conflict? If you were peaceful, what if you were joyful in the workplace? What what if you were faithful to your employer or your employees? Can you imagine, just see how practical the fruits really are in your life. Now, how do you get this fruit, the things that we'd want? uh, Jesus said, remain in me, remain connected to the source. How do you consistently, here's the thing that we, we struggle with. We might be Fruitful a little while, but how are we fruitful all the time? It's only we can only consistently stay fresh in our faith if we remain connected to the source of our strength, and that's Jesus. And let me just ask aren't these the things that we long for? Aren't these the things that we pray for? God, please help me to be more patient with my kids, help me to be more loving with my spouse. You know what? We don't even have to seek or pray for these things if we're connected to the source because they're a natural product. Of the vine, Jesus, it just happens. You know, if you have a fruit tree or a garden or whatever it is, you don't pray that your apple tree would produce apples. You don't pray that your tomato plant would produce tomatoes. You just expect that's gonna happen because that's the nature, right? And it doesn't even take effort. And I believe that if we are remaining in Christ and we are connected, we're gonna produce these fruits naturally, not from our own strength, of course, but from God's strength. But only if we remain connected. And you know what? The stronger our connection to Him, the more likely we're going to bear fruit and the more fruit we're going to produce. Our mission as a church is to move people on a simple journey toward Jesus. And we share that often, and we talk about the path that we believe that that is very practical, and that is that we begin our relationship with Christ. We come to a point where we believe in Christ, we belong to Christ and to His church, And we become the the believer or the disciple maker that God wants us to be. But just imagine for a moment in each of these phases that we've identified, these four uh, parts of the path, (coughs) what it would be like to bear fruit. For example, it's pretty obvious in begin, there's no fruit because there's no connection. When we're outside of Christ, we're not bearing any fruit. But when when we believe, when we reach the place where we give our life to Christ, we begin to produce some fruit. There's fruit in our life. Maybe not a lot, but a little bit, it starts to be produced. And then as we come and grow, and we belong, we produce more fruit. And then we get to the place in our life where we become, which is a place of disciple-making and influence and leadership. There's much fruit. You see, Jesus talked about some vines that would produce, some branches would produce some fruit, some would produce more fruit, some would produce much fruit. We kind of see that in our path. We hope it makes sense from that perspective. But I would also say that from a strictly selfish point of view, these things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, just sounds like the person I want to be. And if that's you, then here's the way to get those fruits. If you remain in Christ, they will be produced naturally. The second promise He gives us here is you're going to possess spiritual power. Spiritual power, John chapter 15, verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So, if we're connected to him, we can pray and he will give us what we ask for. I mean, how sweet is that? That's an incredible promise that we have. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know some of you are, are still carnal in your minds on this. You're like, then I want a new house or I want a new car or I want some more. I want a bunch of money. I want to win the lottery. You know, that's how we think. That's not Jesus thinking, all right? That's pretty selfish stuff. When we self and seek and and pray for the things that we want that will satisfy us, we're not guaranteed, not a name it and claim it sort of thing. Selfish prayers are not what Jesus is talking about here. But what he's saying is, is that if you're connected to the source of life, the longer that you're connected, the soon his will becomes your will. Soon his desires becomes your desires. His wants are your wants. And when you pray, you're not praying for the selfish things, you're praying for the things that God wants, and you're connected, and you're seeking for God's will for your life, and that's a promise that we have. You know, I believe that we have so much greater spiritual power through Jesus than we can imagine. I really do. Uh, it, It kind of blows me away. In fact, I think we underestimate and definitely underuse the spiritual power that we have because we're so limited in our thinking. And when we do think and pray, it's, it's usually for the wrong things, but we don't seek the power that God gives us because we don't understand how powerful God really is and what God wants for our life and for our world. And I believe if we could get to that place, and I, I'm not there either, all right, but we could do amazing things through the power of God. Let me give you a verse of Scripture that kind of blows me away. It's in John chapter 14, just one chapter back. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. is that amazing to think about that? Can you, can you even fathom or imagine doing the things that Jesus did? And then how could we possibly do greater things than He? How could we do that? I think the possibilities are endless, but let me just throw this at you a little bit. The Apostle Paul came after Jesus, and he believed and trusted God and sought spiritual power, and Paul traveled much farther than Jesus ever traveled. Paul started more churches than Jesus ever started. Paul obviously wasn't greater than Jesus, but he did some great things. He probably preached to more people. Even beyond that, there have been some great evangelists that have preached to multiple times more people than Jesus ever preached to. Think about Billy Graham and the huge crusades. Obviously, none of those things are as great as what Jesus did, but we can do great things. And those things don't happen by accident. They happen because we're connected to Him, and we seek Him, and we seek that power. But the problem today is that so many of us are poorly attached to the vine. We have a very weak connection to the vine. It's so weak that very little la- life actually passes through it. You know, again, I don't know much about the vineyard, but I know that they do their best to keep the branches supported or propped up so that the, the flow of the sap from the vine, the root, goes up into the branch so it's very well-attached, strong, connected there, no twist, no, no, uh, no breaking. They want the branch to get all that the vine has to offer, And I believe that's our problem sometimes, is that we're not connected close enough to get everything that God has to offer to us. And then he also talks about branches that are detached, that are cut off or apart from him, that kind of go their own way. And he says, without him, we can do nothing. And what's done with them? They're burned in the fire. Here's what he says in verse 6. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. So the contrast is is simply very clear. We either have all kind of spiritual power or we have none, and we're to be burned or discarded and burned in the fire. We choose which we'll experience. Let's break it down a little further here because I I think we got to totally understand what the connection or what the aspects of, of remaining look like. Three aspects. The first one is the connection, and that is our union with Christ the relationship that we have in Him. And it is a mutual connection. Jesus said, if you remain in me, what? I'll remain in you. So it is a mutual thing. Both are giving, both are receiving. Life is going back and forth. The second aspect, though, is dependence. Dependence. We know that our lifeblood comes from Christ. The branch is dependent upon the vine. It can't do anything without the vine, but the vine is not dependent upon the branch. Jesus is not dependent upon us doing great things to make him look good. He's fine without us. We need him more than he needs us. The branch derives its power and life from the vine, and without it, it's useless and powerless. And the third aspect is continuance, Continuance. remaining, abiding, continuing in him. We go on trusting. We go on depending. We never stop believing. We persevere. We keep on keeping on, my grandfather used to say. John chapter 8, Jesus said this, if you hold, the key word is hold. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciple. How are we as a disciple? We hold to his teaching. That's what he says. So we have connection, dependence, continuance. That's what we must do to remain in him. And you know, a lot of us, we do okay on the connection part. We do okay on the dependence part. But it's the continuance that we don't stick with. So let's talk about some really practical ways that we can do that, how that we can remain in Him in a practical daily thing. First of all, remain in God's Word, remain in God's Word. Guys, we literally have no excuse not to be in God's Word. There was a time when people didn't have access to the Bible. They had to share pages of the Bible and pass it around, or in some countries, they have to hide the Bible. Today, we have freedom. We have so many ways to access the Word of God. You know, today, uh, many of us spend hours on me- mindless things, honestly, gaming. We spend hours on social media, news sites, guilty a little bit here. Who knows what else? Hopefully, and maybe some things worse than that. Hopefully not. But I'm really amazed today how connected people are to technology, specifically their smartphone. You know, it used to be teenagers. They were, they were the ones, but today it's Everybody. I mean, you go into a waiting room and everybody is focused on their phone, right? You see a couple eating, or not eating, sitting at, waiting at a table. What are they doing? Talking? No, they're each on their smartphone. I was driving down the the street the other day in Lexington, and these guys were working. No, they weren't. They were standing alongside the the road, leaning on their shovel, looking at their smartphone. And I'm just thinking, okay, the boss probably took a hike uh, for a while you know, and the productivity goes down. But the reality is we're just attached to these little things. But you know what? The time we waste on them could be used uh, wisely. Because you can download an app like uh, Uversion Bible, and you can look at that app and have access any moment to the Bible. You can read when you're wasting your time doing something else. We remain connected with friends, right? We remain up on the news. We remain in contact with the office through our phones, but we can remain. Let's use technology wisely. We can remain in God's Word with a little bit of intentionality because your spiritual diet is maintained by feeding daily, daily on the Word of God. Your spiritual strength comes from Him, not from yourself. We must remain in His Word. Secondly, we have to remain in Christian fellowship. There is something special that happens when Christians get together and share with one another. And whenever you're not there, when you miss worship, you rob yourself of the blessings that comes when we're together. You know, in our our current age, church attendance is getting less frequently, even for those people who consider themselves to be regular. And while we offer Facebook Live, and we love that for people who are sick or traveling, we want to encourage you, don't stay home. Don't neglect being together it's important that we fellowship with other people. A little part of of our walk with the Lord dies when we separate ourselves from other people. And if we do that indefinitely, I think we almost always die. I don't know if you've ever noticed, have you ever seen a fire? I've done this a time or two just to see if it works because I heard this. But if you see a roaring fire, I don't care how how strong a fire is burning, how, uh, how, how uh, alive an ember may be. If you separate an ember of the fire and you let it out by itself, what happens immediately it begins to die. It goes out every single time. It does not burn brightly by itself. And the same thing is true in our spiritual life. We do not burn well alone. It will, will die out. Being with other believers gives us spiritual energy and when you're part of a smaller group, our journey groups, we call them, you're going to find even more spiritual energy because you're not only connected to the vine, because you're in the Word on a regular basis, but you're also connected to other strong branches that give life and energy. We need that. Remain in Christian fellowship. Thirdly, remain consistent in prayer. We need consistent daily prayer time. But the Bible also says that we should pray without ceasing and that we should do, it, do life in an attitude of prayer. You know, and for us, it could be an, a conversation that we—it's just ongoing that never ends with God. It might be a sentence here and a sentence there and a, and a thought. We hear from God. God, you know, is leading us or influencing us. God may be speaking to us through His Word as we incorporate the Word and, and prayer. And then we see a need and we pray and somebody asks us to pray for them and we do. We should do it right then so we don't forget. We respond. We pray for needs as we experience them. Just an ongoing conversation and awareness of God's presence. Why? Because we are connected to Him. We remain in prayer. And the fourth thing, we remain amazed by God's creation, just being aware of God's creativity in the world around us and acknowledging that He is the one who made it for a specific purpose. Just having a God consciousness and awareness of the glory of the creation and of the people that God has made. When you meet someone, you ought to... Just be in wonder that God made that person as they are, and that they have a purpose unique, whether they are in need or whether they are a person that you can get strength from. Just have an awareness of God's creativity and God's creation, His people, and recognize people and be willing to reach out and connect with them. Connecting with people is one way we know that we can connect with God. And then fifthly, remain faithful in service. You know, our culture just kind of drives us to a self-serving attitude, but when you are serving other people, you're giving yourself to a cause and a purpose much larger than yourself, far beyond you. You know, I've heard people say that if you are down and you're discouraged and depressed, you go outside, do something for someone else, it changes the, 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 the paradigm. It changes how you think. When you help other people, you go outside yourself, it's, it's, it's hard to be self-focused at that point. But when you're serving for Christ, you're doing something that really matters, not just now and not just in this world, but something that will matter for eternity, forever. And Jesus said that when we serve other people in His name, it's as if we were serving Him directly. And serving Him gives us life abundantly. We'll remain in Him if we remain in His Word, remain in Christian fellowship, remain consistent in prayer, remain amazed by His creation, and remain faithful in service. And you know what? We all need that reminder. Why? Because we can all lose our connection to Jesus. We can all become spiritually dry, every one of us, or we can all go through the motions. Sometimes people look like they're great. You know, we have the appearance of being connected, but we're unloving and we're impatient and we're harsh, rude, and unchristlike. And when we get to that place, it's a sure sign that there's something wrong, that we're not remaining in Him because we all have to be aware and humble enough to acknowledge that we all need renewal, because we all need constant connection to remain in Christ. As he said, apart from Him, we can do nothing of spiritual value, which means that we can do nothing that will truly last. The only thing we do apart from Him will be temporary, and it will be burned up, the Bible says. But remaining in Him will make us productive and fruitful and spiritually powerful." Now, I say all of that, and maybe you're sitting there thinking, well, I don't feel like I'm very connected to God. Well, here's some great news for everybody. First of all, if you are not connected to Christ, you can be grafted in. You know, I don't know, again, a lot about tree husbandry or or gardening in that way, but, but the whole idea of grafting something into that which is alive and vibrant is an amazing thing. And so maybe you come from a place where you're totally foreign to Christ. The amazing thing is that He will graft you into His family. He will adopt you in. You can can become connected to Him. You can become dependent upon Him. You can become a place where you can continue in Him. So He welcomes you to get connected and remain connected. And so if that is you and you're not connected to Christ, you make a decision today to give your life to Him. And to be baptized in Christ, and we can talk about that. I'm going to be here after the, the message and available to talk, and Tony will be over here available as well. But we would love to be able to talk to you about that, where you can begin your journey with Him. And as a believer, you'll begin to produce this fruit that we talked about. As you grow in your faith and you belong to Christ in the body, you will produce more fruit. And as you become the disciple that God wants you to be and tends for your life, you will produce much fruit from nothing to bountifully fruitful. That's what God wants us to be. Now, if you were here and you know that you were once connected to Him, but you have to admit that you've not remained in Him, that you know you're disconnected and spiritually dry, I got great news for you too. And that is that you can be reunited with Christ. You can be restored. You can have a spiritual reset, which is what we all long for and need. And I didn't get this on the screen but this occurred to me this morning as I was doing my last thoughts and prayers in Revelation 2. Here's what he said. This is amazing how this fits in. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Remember from where you were and repent and then do the things that brought you into a relationship with him. Continue and remain. That's my challenge to you. Uh, as we wrap up this series, and maybe you'd be encouraged by that. May you be challenged with that God would speak to you directly about what you need to do, not what somebody else does or what you think they should do, but what you need to do to make sure your rel- your life is right with Him. And if you have been a follower of Christ, but you know you're not where you should be to experience that revival that God longs for in your life. Right now, we're going to go to a time of communion, and it's amazing how the vine and communion connect, right? And what a beautiful picture it is that Jesus said, when you take this cup, this fruit of the vine, it is a reminder of the blood that I'm going to pour out for you. And when you take the piece of bread, it's a reminder of my body, which will be broken for you. And so we'll do this in just a few moments as a way to remember what Christ has done for us. We ask you, if you are a believer, you're invited to come forward and share. If you prefer to stay where you are, just raise your hand and One of our deacons will serve you right there. But this is a time of responsiveness for us to say, yes, Lord, yes, I want to respond to you, and I'm grateful for what you've done. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for the day. God, thank you that you invite us in, first of all, and thank you that there is a way for us to remain in Christ and discover the life that we long for. God, thank you now for these emblems, the bread and the the juice that we're about to take. That, Lord, they would draw us closer to you. They would strengthen that bond, that connection, so that we can continue and remain in Christ. I pray these things in his name. Amen.